All right, guys, I'm coming into the boat. We're all on the boat together. I look over in the corner. I see Greg, adult age male, approximately six foot three. I'm scanning potential <laughs> potential hazard looking for flower pot to brain him with. Is there an egress to the boat? Is there an exit? Is there a defensible position? Look to boat toilet. Can climb inside. Defensible position. Established. Munya, off in the corner. <laughs> Skin shade. Definite threat. (laughs) 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 Look for broom to ward him off with. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, you know how boys always be going into rooms and just scanning for threats? You know, that normal thing that every man does. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Every time when I, when I, every time I step outside, I'm, Pulling out my app and scanning the air quality to determine whether I should mask. <laughs> <laughs> well, Greg, I, I got bad news for you. If you're using the the weather service app or whatever, I noticed that just like how they kind of uh, they made COVID rates look safer by just redefining what was like dangerous spread rates. It seemed like with the smoke this summer in Seattle, they just kept. I swear to God, they just kept redefining like whether the smoke like how much smoke in the air was dangerous or not because it would be so smoky you couldn't see down the block here and you'd go look at the air quality level on the weather app and it'd just be like oh yeah it's fine it's like yeah, yeah. like i'm no scientist but that there's no way that's fine no no i got i got the i, I got the, the real i'm looking at not just the Rick got the accu weather but i got the <laughs> which is you know kind of bullshit but i i'm looking at the actual like levels of pm 2.5 particles you know so um, I, you know, I, I know what's going on at any time and, you know, <laughs> well, uh, acting accordingly. <laughs> well, as far as, uh, the, the scanning for danger goes, uh, th- this comes about because somebody had posted this insane, I think it was like a Reddit reply with like, I was talking to my mom and she mentioned that, you know, my dad, every time he goes to any room, he always scans it for danger, for threatening males and what he's going to do about it. <laughs> and then for like, you know, exit points and potential defensible positions. And my mom, she's like, that's why I love him forever. And I got to say, while this sounds insane to me, I'm also willing to believe that approximately 80 to 90 percent of men in America probably do this, <laughs> which leads yeah. to the question. Uh, do any of us do it? And also, what's wrong with everybody else? <laughs> I mean, yeah. The question is, like, is it possible that this is really, like, a widespread phenomenon? Well, yes, it is possible that a large portion of the American population, males in particular, are insane. Yeah, very possible. <laughs> Easy to believe. Easy to believe. I, believe. I didn't even think about it critically. I just outright believed it because I just, I know that that's a fact, you know? Like, <laughs> I, feel I, it. I just know in my gut that that's a fact. <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, I almost replied. I mean, somebody posted this and be like, you know, you know, why men be doing that or whatever. Right. And uh, and I almost posted this reply and I typed it all out and I realized it was too mean, which was and I and the thing is, the reason why I didn't want to post it because I post mean things all the time is that I didn't actually mean it in a mean way. But let me listen to my theory and hear me Let's out. Hear. And let me know Let's what you this. think. I think that life, for the most part, in America is completely meaningless and pointless. All right. Meaning you don't do anything in your daily life of any substance or value to the rest of the world. In fact, it's almost certainly for the worse, whatever you're doing all day, every day. 
All right. And at some point, some part of people's brains come to the realization everything I've done before this point is meaningless. Everything I'm doing now is meaningless. My entire future is meaningless. And not only does it not matter that I'm on the planet, it might actually be a detriment. And they have to metabolize this in some way, right? And so the way they metabolize it is they say, it's not meaningless because I'm actually a warrior in the urban Vietnam jungle. (laughs) And I have to go out and protect every day. Protect what? Who knows? (laughs) But I have to go out and uh, fight off the hordes that are definitely out there, I'm pretty sure. (laughs) Even though I've never been attacked in public or anything like that. What what yeah. what do you think about this? Is, I, is it the meaningless of American life that has brought this about? I buy that as a partial cause. I would I would characterize that as as a sort of adolescent existential cause. You know, like the you know yeah, wanting to be a hero for for lack of any other meaning or uh, interest in your life or about your yourself and your identity. Um, it's sort of a a it's that's a very like thirteen year old boy thought to have that I, I have no problem believing like grown men like 60 years old are still like stuck in in the kind of you know arrested development of our society i think also though i think it's also a kind of uh baked in like the 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 baked in fear like constant fear of of bourgeois ideology right like like you you have uh less than you need and want uh and it can be taken away at any time and you have no security you have no you're an individual alone in society and your only recourse to uh improving your life or feeling safer or more secure is to uh protect what you have uh, violently if necessary against all the arrayed forces of uh the rest of humanity that might try to take it, take what you have away from you. And uh, I think people, yeah, literally are constantly afraid of that. That's I mean, this is, uh, it's this alienation and fear that like drives a lot of like our, you know, shitty politics, like, uh, like it's wow. wow, Why people feel the way they do about poor people being nearby, you know, it's like on some level, it's like, uh, the it's like the planter fear of slave uprising you know yeah yeah and it's you know you've got something there are people out there who don't have that and they might want to take it away from you mm. uh at any time who would have thought that a country that you know is so individualistic isolating paranoid and violent would produce <laughs> a brain like this <laughs> now i want to be clear uh Munya does a similar thing, all right, but it, the vibe is different as always. <laughs> in that Munya walks into a room and he scans immediately and he immediately identifies haters. But then he says in his mind, <laughs> these are just waiters for me at the table of success. <laughs> <laughs> I have to grind for this view. back to the mechanical freak podcast broadcasting live from the city of seattle mm. the neoliberal hell at the mm. center of the earth uh greg you're on the boat 
I'm on uh, or my house, which is kind of like a Lambo, but not for long, guys. This is going to be the last or maybe last time you see this view behind me because I have found a place to live. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, twice as far north. Yeah. From so where the, I fir- am. the first time I got chased out of Seattle because of rent costs, I moved to Shoreline and I was able to maintain my Shoreline existence l- mere blocks from the Seattle border yeah, uh, for over a decade. Yeah. yeah. And uh, now I am all the way out in Montlake Terrace. Here, let me read the address. Oh, no. but I'm all <laughs> the way out in, in Montlake Terrace. Uh, what can you do? Prices are too fucking high. <laughs> <laughs> but you know uh for what it's worth the place is like an upgrade dude it's like it looks pretty good so, yeah yeah it's, it's, it's yeah. a pretty sweet place so i, I was it's very sweet. happy the yeah, first i mean you could say i'm sure the same would be true if he was moving to omaha nebraska yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gotta be positive here exactly it's like well you know look um eventually you know all of us and what i mean is uh broke ass people like me are just like it's like a centrifuge we're just being thrown further and further out and about 10 to 15 years i'm gonna be a canadian citizen all right like i'm gonna be pushed so far north i'll just be in you know canada yeah so you'll be blessed with you know healthcare and stuff (laughs) yeah yeah the gentrification of seattle will have uh thrown me so far away that i've gotten healthcare. yeah (laughs) (laughs) so gentrification is good if you think about it it rises people out of poverty oh fuck will stencil's got a point shit wow God damn it. Damn. I don't like this. All right, cut this. Cut this episode. Cut this episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Munya, you're broadcasting live from a boat, from uh, the boat. floating yeah. down the streets of New York City. <laughs> it's why, <say> it's, uh... <laughs> why is it flooding all the time in New York, Moody? What is happening? This is happening. Uh... I, I want to know. This is a phenomenon that I had never noticed in New York City, and not because I wasn't looking, but because of other reasons. Uh <laughs> Until you move there. And all of a sudden now it's flooding all the time. What what are you doing over there? I make it rain, bro. I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) (laughs) Come on now. Put some respect on my name. It's like apparently a thousand year uh, storm that's happening right now. (laughs) I feel like last year we had a thousand year storm as well. I don't believe that shit. Yeah, We got to rename these storms. People are saying, oh, it's a thousand year storm. Once in every thousand years, it'll have rainfall like that. I swear this is this is like... Every f- five times per year, we'll have something like this where the subways are completely flooded. Every, you'll see like floating cars, you know, like it's, um, you know, that, that uh, what's that? What, what's our what's our favorite uh, movie from the, the 2012 director? Day After Tomorrow. Uh, like it's the day after tomorrow. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah, um, you're you're in the library watching yeah, that oil tanker float down, yeah, you know, exactly. Broadway or whatever. Exactly. <laughs> um, it's like okay in Bushwick, though. Like you know, um, it's weird. It's like very <laughs> localized. Moodya cannot be defeated. All right, this is why you're never scanning for threats. All right, you're only scanning for haters. It's yeah. because even the weather is like not like if you nah. were to look right now, there is a storm just pouring torrential rain a once in a thousand day storm (laughs) pouring torrential (laughs) rain on new york city except for this one like halo where there's <laughs> there's no rain going down that's basically munya's building in like maybe a three block radius around it right you know just enough to keep the streets dry 
Well, it's weird because Bushwick is usually supposed to be punished. Like, cause like it's, it's places like Bushwick and a lot of like Brooklyn that are supposed to be the ones that like don't have like the best, uh, you know, I wouldn't say plumbing, but sewage, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, it's not a place that has been maintained like, you know, the upper East or West side, you know, which have like all downhill slopes. And like, even when like the, the crazy storms were happening two years ago when I first moved here and all of Brooklyn was just completely flooded. Uh, shout out to the yellow cab, the only taxi service who picked me up, uh, for no <laughs> surge charge, uh, you know, fuck Uber and Lyft for that, you know, uh, we're union strong over here. But anyway, uh, you know, while that was happening in Brooklyn, like a lot of Manhattan was clear, but it seems like it's kind of like the opposite now. Like a lot of Brooklyn is kind of flooded, but like, a lot of like uptown of Manhattan is like you you're trapped. Like you can't even like mm-hmm. the subways are like closed. Uh, a lot of cars are like, you can't really drive in this. Like I saw a video actually of a bus that um, as it was driving, water was like seeping into it. Like not even like seeping at a slow pace, but kind of like closing into the point where you just see it like rising, like start splashing on top of like the, the walls into the point where like now it's like on like their knees and that happened in about like 10 seconds or something. It like, it looks like it's hell out there, but you know, I walked to the bakery. I got myself a ham and cheese croissant. Um, just put on my raincoat. No, no umbrella really. Uh, it was easy. You know, I don't know. Skill Munia's issue. I guess. Strip, man. Like, yeah. Like, when Munia moves into the neighborhood, the property values go up. You know, he is the ultimate gentrifier because he's bringing that yeah. halo. I'm bringing mm-hmm. that halo. And that, I mean, that, that's what they don't consider, too. You know, they think it's like an economic thing. There's also a little bit of a like the halo effect of gentrification. You know? Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's just, you know, yeah, it's not like yeah, the economics. It's not like all these factors. It's just swag. Yeah. 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 Uh, look, all those people complaining about the flooded subways, whatever. Get your swag up. Yeah. All right. Honestly, yeah. I mean that that's just like swagless shit, frankly. Yeah. It's yeah. dripless. It's it's uh it's swagless. You, you, you just don't got the juice sometimes. And that's yeah. what happens when you don't got the juice. You're not the saying. drip king. You need to yeah. accept it. You, you just have to accept <laughs> and the sooner you accept it, the sooner you'll find inner peace. <laughs> well, Seattle has uh its own problems, Monia. Or maybe it doesn't. Did you guys catch that uh, Fox News segment about uh, I I guess it's like a man on the street sort of interview segment going to the liberal hellhole of Seattle uh, to interview people on the street. Jesse sent Johnny to the progressive hellscape where residents mocked the idea that the city is spiraling out of control. And uh, everybody that they interview is like, no, things are fine. <laughs> that video like, ruled then. Aren't you worried about crime? Nah, it's okay. Nah. I've never seen any crime in Seattle. I've never seen any of it. I've seen fun and laughter and laughter and fun. I don't believe that number. People they're, you know, getting robbed out here, carjacked. I've never heard of anyone getting robbed. Crime is a social issue that could be solved by giving people their basic needs. It's not a thing that happens just on the street. People don't just come up and try to rob people on the street. Do you walk around every day? Like Someone's going to rob me every second. <laughs> well, I love because like someone was asking me like this must be fake because why would Fox News post this? And I'm like, you have to like put your mind into like a Fox News viewer. Mm-hmm. Like they're on such a mm-hmm. different plane that actually this segment that makes them look like complete fucking idiots and like exposes their whole um, idea and myth about the Northwest in Seattle uh, actually like fit right into a Fox News viewer because it's like totally. Oh, mm-hmm. well, 
you know the the you know the liberals are are cheering this on. They 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 <laughs> like they like to see uh, all of this happen. Like they're they're they're, they're part of like the programmed. Yep. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, to, to that liberal point. communist ideology has blinded them so much that they're in denial about like their own city burning down and that they were just murdered minutes before and yeah, right. they're just in denial about all that, which is why it's so bad, you know? Yeah. And so, uh, to that point, the, the Chiron is residents in blue cities are embracing the decay as the, the Chiron <laughs> right. on the report. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But that being said, I mean, is that, so I guess, what do you feel the origin of this piece is? I think there's actually a few answers. One, they could have said, I mean, this is obviously a pre-recorded package, so they're just playing yeah. on air, right, and putting the chiron. So, so did they send somebody out there to do a blood on the highway story, and they just didn't get enough good, you know, interviews of people going, oh, my God, we're all going to die, <laughs> and then just transition to this? Or did they seek this out? And if they sought it out, to what end? Like, like what, 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 what does uh, Fox News feel like its viewers are getting out of this, I guess? I, I think it's what Munia said. Like, it's that... You know, these people look how out of touch and crazy these people are. The crazy Seattle communists, you know, mm -hmm. um, the people who cheered on the Chaz. And it's like it's so divorced from their like storyline that like, yeah, it just sounds crazy. It's going to just sound crazy to their viewers. I think did they go out looking for that? Maybe or maybe they just got they happened to get. A couple articulate people like you know like really telling them off and in a in a way that worked that they saw and were like oh we can use this with this spin you know and that's an interesting deal as well yeah. as maybe they got uh, they got other stuff they may have got other people you know complaining about but they thought oh this is we got something special here which is the communists gang like don't worry about it everything's great we love it here and they can spin that as you know these people are out of touch yeah and, and I guess to note for anybody who hasn't seen it too, I mean, they're just interviewing people. Like one of this looks like that the walking trail at Green Lake and like some other spots around the city. But behind the people being interviewed, I mean, this is what I thought was the most interesting part of this shot. It's just mobs of people just walking around enjoying their day. People of all yeah. ages walking around completely yeah. carefree, enjoying their day. And I guess again, like. Does anything matter to like cable news viewers? Like when they watch this, does it matter at all to them that in a visual medium, the literal information being transmitted visually to you is that yeah, everything's fine. People are doing all right. It's okay. Like does, <laughs> does it just not matter anymore? Is it just like whatever you're just told by the Fox News anchor is like, okay, I, no matter what I see with my own eyes. I, I'm just yeah, gonna believe that. I, I think don't it's know. a different <laughs> question as to whether this like this uh, spot actually like was legible in the way that they wanted it to be. I think that's like a separate question. I think the motivation I think seems clear. I think whether it's that they're that the producers of that show are so like up their own ass and so uh, sort of confident in their bullshit skills that they like thought like, yeah, we can just put this on TV and it'll it'll we can sell our narrative around it, whether that's true I, I mean, I'm sure for some, yeah, for some Fox News grandpas, yeah, like they'll take exactly what they need to from that because there's a certain on a certain level. Yes, like there's lots of Fox News grandpas out there, lots of like boomer American idiots who, yeah, believe on some level 
will tell you, look right in your face, that Seattle basically burned down, right? Like, my family's like this. <laughs> but on another level, they also know that's not true, right? They already yeah. know that this is bullshit, right? They know that this is really about an ideological contest, right? So they, mm. they can switch between these, uh, like, levels of resolution here, you know? Like, they the, the thrill of this does not have to be they've already seen the packages the footage of all the graffiti and then of you know uh the same like uh like trash fire 75 times that is like has in their brain like uh seattle burned down and on some level that's really just i have the ammunition to tell my children seattle burned down even though i know it's obviously totally exaggerated <laughs> and this this so this like that's already there this doesn't have to displace that they they know on some level like yeah these are all like cities are just going people are living and going about their day like the question is does crime matter like should crime be punished should the homeless be dealt with and mm -hmm. that that those questions that's the political like territory that's the the contest that's happening here ideologically right um do we need more cops? And that's a question is just as salient, like even if it's whether it's as the actual reality on the ground is escape from New York or like an afternoon at Green Lake. Like that's that's the these are the actual like political contests like happening in our culture right now. And. So yeah, I don't think it I don't think it really matters. It's all it's all just grist. It's all just entertainment. It's all like it's all uh ammunition you can use in your arguments with yourself and with your children, you know? It's all just the thrill of like uh hating the people who don't think we should uh, murder the homeless and and have like uh a phalanx of cops on every street. Yeah. Well, going from uh this news report to the other biggest Seattle news. Uh, Munya, I regret to inform you, you can no longer go to Target and Ballard. All no. right. I'm, so, like, uh, I'm sliding my back to the wall and, like, sliding down, crying. No reason <laughs> to come home anymore, basically. You know? The city, Seattle's, Seattle's dying. Now it's dead. Seattle is dead, bro. So... Mm. Target announced that it's closing nine stores. Count them, nine stores. Is Target going to be okay? These nine stores, uh, they claim they're closing them because of, quote-unquote, crime and violence, all right, and safety issues. Uh, the ones they're closing in Seattle are uh, in the U District and on Market Street in Ballard. And I'm sure just purely coincidentally, all nine of these stores across the country are part of a new small store model yeah, that Target exactly. was trying out, right? Uh, and I don't know why I brought that up, but I'm sure it's just a coincidence because it's crime. That's why they're closing. Yeah, that, this well, is yeah. like, of course, yeah, they, they're they saying crime, but that is a key thing to know. It's like that Ballard store, the Av store, they suck. They're these tiny little Targets that like, they don't have, they, ha they don't have as much like food as a gross a regular grocery store which is right across the street uh you know in both cases they don't have the like selection of home goods that you would have in a full-size target or a fred meyer they don't have the selection of like clothes you would have they don't really have anything so there's no reason to go there 
there's no reason to go to a target like this because mm -hmm. it's like a large, slightly larger stranger convenience store. It's basically like a 7-Eleven that's four times the size and has like a seven, what you would imagine a 7-Eleven that was like, we're going to be four times bigger and have some clothes and some bed sheets and towels and uh, as well as like a little more food. And that's, and like some more like toiletries and drugstore items than the like tiny shelf we have now of like overpriced Advil. We're going to do that, but it's still like, it's just an expansion of the convenience store. So there's no selection of anything. It's just like if you needed emergency bed sheets and you happen to, and you're okay with the, like an awful, like doesn't matter what the color is. doesn't matter how much they suck. You're just looking for the cheapest like bed sheets right now. Uh, you can go to these tiny targets and it's like, well, yeah, no one wants that shit. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, also target sales are just down. You know, like in general, Target has like year over year slump in sales. Their stock on the year is down 27 percent, you know, so it's like well, yeah, that's because of crime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. It's totally like they don't insure all of their uh, <laughs> their stuff, right? <laughs> I mean, this is the thing about like the crime narrative too. Is like you know, there's insurance for this shit. Like th there, there is like a cap on like the number of like stuff that's like you know stolen, and so, um, yeah. Obviously, like you know, Target is just what companies do. Is that like if you're doing brick and mortar, there's some you know locations that do better than others obviously this one was an experiment that failed uh there's no real reason to go in as greg rightfully articulated and so yeah they're closing it but why not just leave one fuck you out the door uh mm -hmm. you know when, when closing just to like you know feed a narrative because it seems like the chamber and a lot of other business community are speaking out and are quite alarmed at the crime right uh now and now they're begging city governments to do something about it right and so <laughs> funny how that works <laughs> yeah uh, well i mean it was interesting because Devast, our friends over at divest spd uh immediately posted hey um target says they have to close because of shoplifting and it turns out crime is one of the few things we actually keep statistics on and wouldn't you know it the two stores that are closing uh, are not, in fact, the stores reporting the most shoplifting of targets in the Seattle uh -huh. area. In fact, Ooh. the Ballard one, by a significant margin, is has the least amount of shoplifting reports. No coming shit. Out Who, who's shoplifting the Ballard Target <laughs> like on 15th? <laughs> like it just that doesn't make sense, man. Like, <laughs> well, and I mean, so it leads to a couple of things, which is like, hey, obviously this isn't about crime, right? This is. Target CEOs, right, executives trying to cover their tracks for an idiotic investment they made in a store yeah. format that was never going to work, right? And basically telling investors, uh, not us, look somewhere else, all right? But uh, this led to an interesting phenomenon, which we actually got with that Fox News like video piece too, where when it was pointed out by people like Divest SPD that in fact, there's not a lot of crime at the stores that are closing compared to the other ones, at least, right? Uh, people would just say, oh, well, they don't report it, all right? Which is an interesting thing. Absurd. Because, A, it would mean that, so two Target stores out of all the ones in Seattle have just decided independently on their own to stop reporting crime. <laughs> right. The and others then, do, but, but these two don't. Right. Right, but <laughs> right, right, exactly. 
<laughs> like for, for reasons, I guess. <laughs> and then that rather than reporting the shoplifting to the police, to the city and trying to get, you know, the police to do something about it. They're just like, well, I guess we just have to close the store. <laughs> yeah, right. And it's it, it, a Munia's point. Shrinkage is covered by insurance. And the reason, because people say, oh, they don't report it because the police don't do anything. It's like, yeah, guess what? When your house gets robbed, the police also aren't going to do anything. The reason why you report it is because if you want to recover the insurance money, <laughs> you're going to have to send the insurance yeah. company a police report, right? Just yeah. like when you get into a car accident, you call a cop and they fill out a report. That report isn't going to do anything. Right. The police aren't going to show up and start doing CSI on your car rack <laughs> to decide in, in a, make an arrest. Right. It's literally for your insurance company. Right. The police are just little messengers for the insurance company. That's it. All right. That's why you report it. So there's literally no situation in which a company would, you know, basically tell its stores. Yeah. Stop reporting crime in the store. <laughs> you know? like, but it is this very interesting philosophy of. You know, crime stats go up, crime is out of control. Crime stats go down, well, it's not being reported because it's so out of control, right? Like, this, this is the philosophy that we basically have come up with for the average TV news, cable news viewer, I guess, at this point. Uh, and, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. What, what are we supposed to do with that, I guess? <laughs> you know, just get pissed on, like this uh <laughs> you know that, that's the answer like there's nothing like they're just gonna like business is just gonna lie about the basic like fabric of like what's going on around them because it's in their interest and in very petty ways too like you say it's really not like yes in general it fits into an ideology a a business like chamber of commerce neoliberal ideology of like in general we yes, we need more cops to control society. We need to like purge the streets of people to be safe for business to operate, to be to make it safe for uh wealthy homeowners to come to our businesses. Like, but that's not why they say this. That it just fits in. It is not interrupted by those larger ideological concerns. It's just ass covering. It's just so when they go mm -hmm. to the shareholder meeting and they can say, Well, we're gonna have to pull out of these massive investments we made. Uh, it's not because they were stupid. It's because yeah. uh, things out of our control, like shoplifting, which you know from the general, like you know, uh, discourse in our society, uh, is is obviously rampant. And everybody gets to pat each other on the back and move on, like they don't give a shit. Yeah, yeah, and to to the point of like the actual reasons for the closure. I mean. Devast SPD pointed out the act pointed to the actual statistics and other people sort of jumped on that and were kind of haranguing this. That I mean, this is obviously not the first time that some company has used this narrative to cover its ass for closing stores and then come yeah. out later to investors and be like, oh yeah, I guess we're lying about that. Um, you know, so people were sort of pointing this out. Hey, this is like time number 1000 that they're pulling this trick. Uh, and it actually forced the Seattle Times to write another article. So the Seattle Times wrote one article that was literally just a complete reprint of Target's press release <laughs> that they just put a name on, right? You know, mm -hmm. I don't know that they edited it even in the least. And then uh, they were forced the other day to put out another article where they did this crazy thing called looking into claims. All right. At Whoa. which point <laughs> they were like, huh, 
So in 2020, sales at Target increased just like they increased everywhere in 2020 because people were, you know, given actual relief for the first time in 50 years. Uh, And then as that relief was pulled away, sales slowed and potentially even decreased. Ah, I wonder if there's a reason for that. Probably crime. They also point out this uh, little detail that back in May, Target closed more of these small format stores, citing poor performance. And I'm going to guess when they closed those four or five stores, uh, they might have gotten some investor pushback and were like, okay, when we close the next nine, different story, guys. We're coming in with a different <laughs> format. <laughs> but, I mean, it's it's just, look, it's not anything new to say that the you know, the newspapers, the press essentially are just these, you know, scribes for power, right? That they just, you know, reprint press releases. But is there any chance in the world that anybody ever wisens up to this, right? Sees this and goes, oh, that's just target bullshitting. Or are we just going to be in this cycle forever as every American, you know, business shits its pants and basically declares, oh, it's because of crime? Well, it's not about anybody wising up. The Seattle Times, like you yeah. said, are scribes for power. So that that's they see that as their function, which they're correct about, is to reprint the press release. And again, it they don't maybe, except yeah, on an instinctual like class level, and some yeah, they're happy to carry water for the uh, the executive team for the, you know before their shareholders. That that doesn't conflict with their priorities at all. But also, again, it plays, it's perfectly in line with a larger uh, narrative about how our society is working right now, that they're happy to parrot. Like, yeah, I mean, that's that's what they're saying every day in and day out is like, crime is out of control. We need more funding, more cops. We need to do something about the homeless. So it's like, everybody's on the same page here. Like, so it's not mm-hmm. about anybody wising up. It's they're they're out there looking for reasons to print shit like this to print that Seattle is dying, et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. you know? Well, to that They're the point, ones wising up, Brian. Yeah, <laughs> to that point, I mean, one of the more fascinating replies to this whole Target story nationally has been uh, when people point out, like, obviously Target's lying about this because, I mean, <laughs> look at all the evidence. Uh, you get these, like, blue checks in particular just replying, uh, why would Target lie about this? Uh, I would believe Target over, you know, somebody posted on Twitter or whatever, right? This total, like, faith that a corporation would, of course, never lie. But the funny part is, almost universally with all those blue checks, like, a month ago, you could find them saying, Target runs a secret grooming operation under the store where they traffic children for molestation, right? So, to your point, Greg, it's been fascinating to see how they've been how they've moved so seamlessly from target is a secret underground pedophile ring posing is as this, a store is this a metaphor like is this real <laughs> was this a thing target they, they were, were they talking do you about not remember this yeah what? do you no, remember what? like over the summer yeah. they became like the lightning rod for like the right wing they were like yeah, talking about saw- how they're like grooming kids by like uh selling uh mafia propaganda oh of course of course of course well i mean to the extent that these are really the same people like these right wing you know q adjacent uh freaks are the ones defending target like i believe target i mean yeah like that's that's right wingers man again like if if you're trying to like find some coherence in right wing ideology or the white right wing expression of like political 
grievance or causes or whatever, like you're not going to, there is no coherence by design, by temperament, by function. Like it doesn't matter. It's, it's, it's all bullshit. So, I mean, it's just, that's the same old story mm -hmm. there. Like now, if you're talking about like, I think it's more interesting question is like when nominally like liberals and like, you know, Seattle times writers, like it's, it's a little more interesting to ask, like, how can you be so like, how, how do you like get up in the morning and like look yourself in the, in the mirror and like, just be such a credulous stooge. And, you know, the answer is more, is not as banal if a little more interesting, which is that that's what they're paid to do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the one last thing about the target story that I actually thought was interesting is a lot of other people. And by this, I mean, people who actually live in this city, uh, replied by commenting, uh, these stores suck, they're shitty, they suck ass, they never have anything, they're bullshit. But one of the more interesting things they posted was, uh, I think it was in the U District store in particular, everything in the store is like behind glass and you have to find somebody to unlock the fucking <laughs> yeah. cage to get out your deodorant. And this is one of these things that has just become you know, omnipresent at every store in America. And A, uh, fuck that, that sucks. But B, the real reason Target's going out of business right is because Amazon's putting them out of business. That's, yeah, that's yeah. the actual reason. And I got to say, every store I go into, when all the batteries are locked up, I just buy them on Amazon. I'm just like, well, I guess I'll just get it. I'm not, right. I'm not digging you, around with this. I'm getting them on Amazon. an yeah. employee to pick your product out of a bin uh, that you don't have access to to sell it to you, you can, you can get that service on Amazon, but you don't have to make take the pointless step of going there to get it yourself <laughs> so that the essentially warehouse worker can retrieve it from the shelf, you know? Yeah. It, and I think it's this fascinating thing because that has to be hurting sales, right? Because I, oh, I cannot man. possibly be the only person that's looking at the caged items and just being like, well, it's, yeah, I'm just not buying that shit here. You know, it's like, not as if they're overstaffing these fucking stores either. Yeah. Yeah, because you're gonna wait 45 minutes for the the one of two employees to show up, right? To uh, to handle this, so you're just not buying it. So there's another fascinating thing. Like, I guess my question here is: to what point is corporations saying this stuff, ass covering and whatnot? And to what point is it ideological dedication to a premise yeah. that is literally strangling themselves, right? An ideological dedication yeah. to crime panics in order to reestablish the total and absolute power of police in this country. Such that uh, they fortified the, the stores and made them unshoppable. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Because mm -hmm. everybody, you know, they look just for purely economic rationales for these things. And sometimes there's this thing that exists outside of uh, economics, which is ideology. Outside and B-side economics. Yeah, and it makes people stupid. Yeah, and I do kind of wonder to the point that they are literally shooting themselves in the foot <laughs> over like ideological reasons. Because just just the security guard factor alone, which is motivated, you know, by this ideology, you now have in. I go to my PCC in fucking Fremont, and you know there is a a strapped like yeah. ex marine. <laughs> all in black with tactical gear and a fucking gun and a ball cap like hanging out will giving you a friendly smile and it's like the smile doesn't help man like you're, yeah. you're standing there inside the door like a soldier you yeah. know that's that's not helping the shopping experience 
Yeah. Uh, and, you know, you take that to like then real genuine inconveniences where like, you know, yeah, things, basic things you would actually need because like their weight to uh, price ratio is below is has hit some threshold that they're like, oh, it's got to be locked up. Mm. Um, yeah, like uh, it is. It, there's some kind of like brick and mortar retail death drive at work. Right. Like the right? end is coming. Right. So like yeah. maybe they're all just trying to to make it happen or like or it re- again, it's the same thing at work. Like there's other forces that are closing these stores. In this case, these were a terrible idea. Everyone hates them. They're all yeah. they're pointless to go to. And it's like literally if you're like, shit, I need some target items and you go like, damn, that's right. There's that one in Ballard. Pointless. If I need to go to Target, I have to go to Northgate. It's literally mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. Because you know you've been there once or twice and got and gone like this was point this was pointless like this is this I can't there's nothing like there's no shopping trip I can make here it's just the a bunch of the worst shit at Target all like crammed into one tiny store and you know they're doing all these things and uh you know it's like yeah it's like you say there's some kind of like other like it's working the other direction as well, like where they're blaming uh, these failures uh, that, you know, you should lay at the feet of their own stupidity and also scrambling, right? They're trying to do new things in the face of the onslaught of online retail, right? They're trying to like try new stuff is what, you know, and it's not going to work. And, but on some level, yeah. Are they also just like sabotaging themselves somehow to like make this end? I don't know. Is that just a natural human thing to like when you when you see the end coming, do you just like uh, start doing more and more insane things that ultimately bring about your demise faster? You know? Yeah, everybody in America wants to die, including the corporations. Uh, Yeah, I mean, one of the crazy things at Fred Meyer, they now check receipts at the door like it's a fucking Costco or something. Uh, which just means I don't go to Fred Meyer anymore because when I get my receipt at the checkout, I throw it directly on the ground where it belongs. All right. Yeah. But but Munya, I'm curious. Is New York City like what, what's the what's the store situation when you go to uh, was it Ranch Meats or whatever? Right. What's what's the store situation in New York? Like, is there armed guard? This is literally what it's like at every store now. Here is armed guards yeah. at every door. People checking receipts, the weird surveillance towers in the parking lot, right? That that literally yell at you as you're walking through the parking lot, telling you your car will be stolen. Uh, which, by the way, is like a funny thing to tell your customers because when you have an armed guard and a surveillance tower in the parking lot, some people look at that and they have experiences with policing and stuff that make them think, ooh, I don't want to be here because that guy's going to shoot me. Other people look at that, though, who are the normies who you presumably want coming to your store, and they go, that's a dangerous place. I shouldn't be here. And they just exactly, move on. Yes. Right? Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> like, no but, but, absolutely. But it, curious. It's why people think the responses to the crime panic are why people think there is a an actual crime problem, you know? Yeah. So when you go to Western Beef in uh, Brooklyn, <laughs> is uh, is there armed guards? Like, what's what's the situation in New York? Are we doing this? Yeah, there I mean, too? it's not. It's usually the um, there's not armed guards because one, uh, like, guns aren't really. Uh, it, it's more strict in New York. Like, you can't really own a gun in New York City. So unless that there are cops like posted up there, uh, mm-hmm. I don't think you can really have private security. Be have like armed assault rifles or anything. You know, like. Um, <laughs> But what what is the case is that what we were kind of discussing about 
the plastic over over everything, right? The Target in New York, especially the Lower East Side, is notoriously bunk. It's it's crap, dude. I mean, like you go in there, there's almost nothing there. There's like two different stories of it, and this is like a this is a really high volume Target, and but I was gonna buy a gift the other day, and um, I remember my partner was like, you know, we should just go on Amazon because if we would waste time going to the Target, thinking that there's something there and there's actually not, and then yeah. having to leave, right? And so, mm-hmm. yep. um. At smaller places, you're not going to see security. You're going to see like security guards there for sure. But I think what's more like prevalent, especially in big department stores in New York, is that that aren't like you know luxury department stores where we're talking like Target and stuff like that. Is that um and even like Walgreens and stuff is that there's definitely security guards at the door. Um, mm-hmm. there's but more importantly, I think and more damning is that whether you're at Best Buy or Target, like the supply of stuff is just kind of gone. It's like half empty in there all the time. You yeah. Know? Like that. Yeah. It, th- there's not actually like a lot going on inside of which the was stores. the complaint about the target stores here at the district of Ballard was that they're empty literally all the time. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, I think we can all agree that the actual problem here that we're, we're beating around the bush on is homelessness. All right. <laughs> the actual <laughs> criminal menace of every yeah. city. And uh, Greg, you wrote a new editorial special to the Seattle Times uh, where you proposed <laughs> Congrats, four, Greg. Yeah, four ways to uh, attack homelessness. Uh, and you, the four different ways are all weapons. Weird. Uh, <laughs> Greg, why, why don't you share? Uh, okay, so this is, this is in the Times this morning. Four ways to change our approach to the housing crisis. I'm sure, you know, you're, you're already imagining a lot of really new, like, innovative thinking, right? Like, coming out of the <laughs> Seattle Times on this, like, you know, like, your phrases like new perspectives and synergy are already, like, are crossing your lips, right? <laughs> like, They're dancing around I, in my head. It's like it's the night before Christmas. <laughs> it gets that stupid, but it's it's really, it, it's, uh, it gets kind of cruel and sick before that. And, um, it, but it's worth talking about, like, exactly to, like, break down the thinking here and, like, the way this is being spun. Because there's, there's an interesting, like, turn being made here. Um, this is by Kent Hay, who's special to the Times. Uh, he's also the director of anti-homelessness for the city of Auburn. Um, not the director of like housing or anything, you know, just anti-homelessness. Yeah, yeah. He's right the one away. who directs the Ed Auburn. 209s. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is like this is like a an awful suburb. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's the guy building the wall around Auburn. Um, yeah. I mean, which by the way, know, I've been in recently. There are homeless people in Auburn. I hate to say he's not he's yeah. not succeeded. <laughs> well, I mean, he's this is basically a like mea culpa. Like he's like, look, I'm ah. failing, and but the reasons are interesting. And would you be surprised? Oh, yeah, you can learn from failure, just like success. So this is that, good. <laughs> um, the that the blame. You know, while 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 you know, not using innovative strategies and synergy is certainly part of it on the. <laughs> on the part of uh you know municipalities like actually the homeless themselves are to blame for for being homeless can you believe that um oh, man let, let's get into crazy that. we got around to that <laughs> when your job is mostly outside wading through piles of garbage hiking across <laughs> acres of forest oh. and brush to check on tents emanating <laughs> the stench of death you have time to think so we're painting a picture here of like well, a just- you know a homeless hellscape just to be clear, uh, the people I'm talking about are not human. The phrase I keep returning to, quote, are we really talking about supportive housing? Um, <laughs> so now we get to figure out what the fuck he means by that, what his mm. valence on that is, because uh, 
It may not be what you think. Take the case of a woman, a senior in Auburn, who I've known for years. A, a family friend. Uh, right now, she's <laughs> living on the sidewalk. And why? Here it is, guys. Because she refuses to go to a shelter. Oh, oh that cla- it's that old oh. chestnut. The uh, intransigent homeless. <laughs> all the homeless people out there, they're just refusing shelter. I mean, we talk about this all the time, but it is always fascinating. I actually had this conversation with a, a real live human being uh, just the other day. And uh, it's always fascinating to me that whenever they say this, it never occurs to them to ask the question, what might be wrong with the shelter? <laughs> you know, like If somebody would rather live on the street than be in the shelter, it, it just is never even a thought in their head that maybe that says something about the shelter. Well, uh, this you know. Ken here is going to try and make exactly that kind of case. And oh. like, like, I mean, or try to shore up that case, you know, try mm. to uh, remove that question by providing answers that uh, make you very unsympathetic to the people he's talking about. Um, and so, then yeah. it's going to be our job to sort of dissect that. So because she refuses to go to a shelter. That's why she's living on the sidewalk. Totally. Now, already, right away, we could say, well, I bet there are, there are other larger factors at work here that got yeah. her there in the first place. But <laughs> to the point of like, yeah, in the immediate today, why is she not today? Why is she today on the sidewalk? Apparently, as he sees it, because she refuses to go to a shelter. Um, you know, we well, could... I think the, the, yeah. no, the point you're missing here, Greg, is she was living in a house Somebody asked her, hey, would you go to a shelter? She refused. So they were like, tough luck, got to be homeless now. Took the house away and deposited her on the sidewalk. So uh, that's how it works, right? Well, I mean, that's <laughs> the case he's going to make. because uh, Months ago, when housing became available in Seattle, um, oh, should have moved she, months they, ago. Her, they offered her mm. a penthouse apartment. She declined a room. The unit offered wouldn't allow her to grow tomatoes. How many sidewalk tomatoes have you eaten in your life? So he's painting this picture of this woman who was apparently offered a room housing. (laughs) But we don't know what that is. He doesn't he doesn't even say like what program. He doesn't say what kind of unit Mm -hmm. and then claims that. uh, Her reasoning for this was that, oh, I won't be able to grow tomatoes there. You know, so mm-hmm. in other words, she's got this pie in the sky idea of of a future mm-hmm. that she might like, and what she's being offered is not that future, even temporarily. And so she's choosing to stay living on the sidewalk. Yeah. And to someone who lives in a home uh, and who is basically comfortable, um, this is you know offered to us in a way that makes this person sound insane. Mm-hmm. What well, also. It is it's the reason why the very first sentence of this has to establish these are not humans, right? Yeah. These are some sort of orcs that we're dealing with. Because if you thought about this from an actual human perspective, even though I'm sure that's not the actual reason that she gave no, for why. Of course not. <laughs> but uh even if you thought this from an actual human perspective, you would look at that and say, Oh, she's upset that they wouldn't let her grow tomatoes in her, you know, apartment or whatever you want to pretend this is. 
that seems like a weird arbitrary rule. I wonder what other weird arbitrary rules are being imposed on this person that might make this not seem like such a good deal. But you might ask that if you weren't already assured ahead of time, this person's an animal, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like they're, they're not to be thought of as somebody who uh, should be treated with any amount of humanity whatsoever. Uh, therefore, their refusal here is just a product of their animal nature. Let's know? say she's said, let's say she said this thing about the tomatoes. So you've taken one thing a person in distress was able to articulate in a moment like mm. it, it's meaningless. Like yeah. you got you have to come back to like actually having like any human empathy and say like if someone is choosing to live on the street rather than take what you're offering and this isn't like an isolated incident. Like you can believe there are there are people with like serious like mental issues that would need to be addressed for and that could involve them. Yes, making these kinds of choices. But if you're talking about this and mass, like as mm. a an actual functional reason that our homelessness crisis continues. You're talking about this being like a major choice lots of people are making at various times and very with various offers of housing and shelter. The only possibility is that what you're offering sucks. Yeah. And this the point of this kind of argument is to deny that in the first place and make the uh the you know the desires of these people and the complaints they have seem ludicrous and out of touch with reality but also simultaneously to take that to make that assessment from the point of view that these people deserve less than what we're offering and should be happy to live in a dog kennel if if that's what we have for them mm -hmm. yeah um ever ever eaten a sidewalk tomato like you know she's not growing any sidewalk tomatoes on the sidewalk so she should probably like take the housing unit and you know figure it out later so we move on such reasoning might seem absurd, seem absurd, but it highlights the web of excuses people weave. She is not alone. I can recount dozens with each of the reasons just as trivial. So I, do dozens, well, you are like the homeless guy for a regional place. Like you've ran into a lot of mentally ill people, probably like does well, dozens of your stupid anecdotes like explain like why like. There are millions of people homeless in America. It doesn't, you asshole. Well, also, like, anybody who's ever experienced talking to a right-wing psychopath, you know, and a weird uncle or anything like that knows, you can give them a very long and nuanced explanation of something, and they will just anchor into some random thing you said or some made-up thing that they claim you said. Yeah. And that'll be the entirety of the argument. And so, you know... Again, I, I'm a venture guess he's probably, yes, heard lots of reasons why people don't want to go into these shitty prison cells that he's trying to jam them in and then has decided uh, it's because they don't want to grow tomatoes or uh, the other very dark reasons that he's about to give. Right. This is a very hmm. dark paragraph. I got to say. Yeah, it's, but, yeah. uh, it up, but it's a small it's a small uh, article, but it does pack a punch. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, she's not alone. I can recount dozens with each of the reasons just as trivial. Some don't want a roommate. I mean, <laughs> they don't Alan? want to be jammed into probably a 
single room with a random stranger who's just been like thrown in there with them who wants that i don't want to that's a terrible random roommate yeah that's a bad offer yeah you're right like that is that is not a good deal uh nobody would take that offer i'm actually gonna i I, i'm gonna venture a guess there the reason why that happens in prison and in college is because you don't have a choice right (laughs) and after your freshman year you tend to have a choice at which point you stop doing that right and uh you know it's like Weird. This this uh, housing system that we've modeled entirely off of a prison, the literal worst place society can put you. Uh, people don't want it. They don't want to do it voluntarily. Oh, well, shit. Others want grats <laughs> in unit washers and dryers. Again, like something somebody says offhand mm-hmm. going like tr- assessing like, huh, what are what are you offering? Yeah. me? A- questions asking, like, does it have a washer and dryer? Am I going to be able to clean my clothes? Like yeah. and then. When they ultimately hear the rest of the spiel and say, eh, I'm not getting into this is weird. I'm not. I'll take my chances on the street another month and see if I can get into a place next next month. Like what he gets to recount here in the Times is, Ugh, you know, they turned there. They poo pooed the uh, penthouse we were offering because they would have to go downstairs to the coin op laundry. You know, well, and again, though, too, Bullshit. like if you horseshit. If- Go talk to any of your friends who are moving, right? Who are moving, switching apartments, things like that. In-unit washers and dryers is definitely on their list, right? Of things that they are considering, you know, it might be the difference between whether they move somewhere or don't move somewhere. That's okay for them to consider that because they're human human beings. beings. Which is why it's really important to establish early in this, these are not human beings, right? So these are not considerations. Niceties, things like that, those things that make your life easier and more functional, these are not considerations that we should have for these people because they don't have humanity, right? So therefore, they should just take, again, if it's just a dog kennel covered in shit, they should have to live in there because we offered it. Right. Yeah, it's incredible. We treat these people like they're dogs. It's it's incredible. Uh, one woman told me she was ready, that she was willing to take anything available. Once accepted for supportive housing, her first question was square footage. She needed space to fit her belongings that were in storage. She did not accept the unit. <laughs> Again, like, so her first question was square footage. And she mentioned, like, I've got a, a lot of question. stuff. Like, I'm not just you just see me here in my tent. But like, I actually have a lot of stuff. And but what he's saying is, I am offended and disgusted that she would even ask. Like, here I am offering something and it's like and that's the point of that. Right. Yeah. yeah. They should take a dog kennel when we're not really being told, like, what are these people being offered? But we know that a lot of what is on offer is. Yeah, like you say, prison like. Yeah. Or temporary or like. Just like a nightmare in another neighborhood, in another town. Like, mm. like, so he mentions one of the people he talked to in, in the first paragraph or whatever. It's like the housing became available in Seattle. She didn't take this. Is This is in Auburn, presumably. Yeah. Right. It's like maybe where her family is, the neighborhood she knows, you know, maybe like, where she works. Because I, I know it's a completely unacceptable a belief here, but a lot of homeless people work. We you don't know? know what they're charging her. This next person for this supportive yeah. housing. like. And is it like, well, Jesus, am I going to pay my entire like uh, paycheck? Am I going to pay, you know, for like 100 square feet when I maybe if I hold on a little longer, I can find something else like. But the point here is like you're not. Yeah, you're not allowed to make these considerations or like have any opinion about being offered a prison cell because you're doing the crime of being on the street. 
Yeah. And again, like the a normal human being looking for housing, basically the first two things they're looking at are price and square footage, right? That is considered an acceptable thing for a normal person to look at. But again, these people are not human. If I were, you know, in my looking for housing, if I were to say, oh, I didn't like that place. You're like, why? And I say, oh, I didn't like the square footage. Your response would be, oh, man, how small was it? Right. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. damn, yeah. like sounds like it was must have been pretty small. Right. Uh, but again, that's not a consideration that we're to give here, given the framing, because, again, they should just be happy with a kennel. By indulging these excuses and catering oh, to unrealistic expectations. Well, who's catering? Who's catering oh. to the unrealistic expectations? Well, also, again, the unrealistic expectation is that these people will be treated with any amount of humanity. Right. That's right. the unrealistic so, expectation. So and by catering to these expectations, that implies offering something. What he means yeah. there. Is they are catering to these unrealistic expectations by not enforcing the option between take what we're offering or go to the actual jail, the jail jail, mm -hmm. take the jail like experience that we're offering to get you off the street. Well, by, by allowing people to say, no, we're catering to their expectations, not because we're offering them something that meets their expectations mm -hmm. or even something that isn't just awful dog shit, but we're not saying, well, you don't have a choice. It's, it's, uh, you know, semi jail or full jail. Yeah, like that's all he can mean there, right? Yeah, by by yeah. catering to these unrealistic expectations and excuses, we are unwittingly enabling a culture of homelessness. <sighs> a culture of homelessness. So I ask again: Are we addressing the supportive housing crisis, are or are we placating in the name of compassion? <laughs> I mean, this is just gibberish. Are we perpetuating the problem? Well, yes, our society is creating homelessness, but like. You know, he wants to lay this at the feet of like, again, just not putting people yeah. in jail, which I, that's the only alternative you can take from that. Empty units across King County abound. I know because each morning I and scores like me get emails from providers hoping to fill the unfilled. It's not a lack of supporting supportive housing. That's the crux of the matter. It's our collective failure to grasp at the heart of the issue. People are not merely seeking shelter. They're seeking spaces that align with their lifestyle. Oh, fuck them. Yeah. 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 What, a, what, a, what a crazy thing that a uh, human would, is okay to ask for, but not, not these people. And again, it's like he wants to frame it as like they want these luxuries when mm -hmm. that's what he's citing. But the truth is they're like, ah, this prison system you're offering me is scary and I don't want to get involved with this. No. And I feel safer on the street. This particular preference has hindered our progress and perpetuated homelessness. Yeah. I mean, and it's also, just ridiculous. This idea that there's all these unfilled units that, yeah. like, that they're offering apartments to people, that there's just tons of apartments that people can afford yeah, that are available, that they're just giving away free apartments. That, that is what you're meant to take as a Seattle Times yeah. reader. You're meant to think they are offering people free apartments. Yeah. And that is yeah. not the case anywhere. The only thing that yeah. is free is like temporary shelter. Yeah. Uh, and everything yeah. else is, uh, there's very limited and is overpriced, you know? Yeah, the only thing that's free is a cot and a shelter that you can only be in overnight or they kick you out in the morning and you can't return until nighttime. And yeah, and I mean, this this thing too, I mean, this is sort of like the Target deal where he's like, oh, there, I know there's lots of open housing that's available. It's like, 
okay, hey, guess what? That's something we actually keep track of. Why don't you give me a number, bitch? Like, yeah. tell, give me a number. You know, give me a number that I can go check. All right. Yeah, the, the board could have said that. They could have said like, hey, you want to put some, some actual data in here? Yeah. And the reason they don't is because there's actually a lot of reporting about the number of available housing units and the number of available shelter beds and the number of homeless people. And the reason why there's a lot of actual reporting about that is because we're constantly talking about how, wow, there seems to be like four or five times as many homeless people as there are shelter beds and available housing. Like, almost like we haven't built enough intentionally and there's you know we couldn't even if people accepted these terrible living conditions that we're offering for the most part uh we would still have a massive homeless problem like because even that wouldn't solve the problem um which is part of why they're so shitty yeah you know it's at all because like if they weren't people would take them and then you then you'd have a different problem is then you'd you wouldn't be able to say oh people are refusing this that's it's not good that we don't have enough you know Taxpayers' concerns are valid, yet they're not echoed in the refusal of services by many. We've crafted uh, a system homeless where the homeless are not sh- considered the taxpayers sufficiently. Yeah. Oh, by the way, crafted- this is a state that runs on sales tax, so the homeless also pay taxes. They're also yeah. taxpayers. I'm sorry. Like, yeah. <laughs> taxpayers' well, concerns. Uh, well, yeah, go on. Yeah, sorry. I mean, also the fact that moving is like a terrible experience like just the process of moving itself right if it's like temporary housing like it literally sometimes is not worth it to move in somewhere if you have to move out too and like uh, if you have a lot of stuff like i will it it actually does make logical sense in a way if you're gonna be in a shitty situation uh or if like that situation might be a week or something, right? Yeah. Like to like have to move all your stuff back and forth, you know, too. Or there's all kinds so, of insane rules and like, you know, yeah. like guards and, and roommates and like night, yeah. just a nightmare situation. Well, like particularly temporary, temporary shelter beds or whatever, you know, they don't let you bring stuff in with you. So yeah, exactly. literally everything you have in the world, you have to throw away every night, right? And essentially try and recreate it the next day. It's like, that is a deal that none of these fucking losers would ever take, right? If you stopped all these nerds at their fucking suburban homes at gunpoint at their doorway and said, every possession you have, you have to put a giant garbage bin over there before I'll let you come in here and go to sleep. You know, they wouldn't take that. They'd just be like, I guess I'm just staying outside, you know? Uh, Except that'd be a heroic vigil on their, you know, lawn as opposed to, you know, being homeless here, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know... Yep. Uh, we've crafted a system where the choice of staying homeless becomes more alluring than embracing oh, available off. solutions. <laughs> I believe off. this. You have to be. You have to view these people as subhuman. Yeah. Um. That they they're making this insane choice. That's the problem here. Like all this shitty citing is bullshit. If if mm. people aren't taking these solutions, quote unquote solutions, it's because they're not solutions. It's because they're yeah. literally going to be worse off taking them. Yeah, and as as a like a mass phenomenon. Yeah, I shouldn't have to tell you how many people die alone on the sidewalk. I mean, I don't know what that means exactly. Well, it's also kind of hilarious because it's like it's your job to make sure that doesn't happen. So yeah, I guess as your lawyer, I would advise you not to tell people how bad you failed at your own job, right? Like, yeah, presumably that's your job to not have that happen. So congrats, you suck at it. Perhaps ironically, while resources are squandered on the unwilling, 
So, well, then how are they squand? Mm -hmm. Like, if they're not taking the resources, how are they squand? If if your problem is no one is taking the thing, you're not really squandering that resource like on on anybody. Yeah, you're just squandering it on no one. Yeah, in your construction here, those within shelter walls are left to endure prolonged cycles of homelessness. This is where it gets real interesting. So he's saying, uh, because we're out here catering to the people who aren't taking our resources, how, I don't know, we're squandering it on them. The people who do say yes are left to endure a prolonged cycle of homelessness. So, yeah. (laughs) What you're saying right there is, so a bunch of people keep saying no, fuck them. And then the people who do say yes, because I'm out offering it to the people who say no, I guess. Um, when you do say yes to a shelter, it goes nowhere and your life doesn't improve because, yeah. because we're well, not offering enough. So yeah, here he actually starts to talk about how what they're offering <laughs> sucks dick. Yeah he's, yeah, he's literally saying your life will be worse if you accept our offer of help. Why don't people accept our offer of help? And it's like, well, I mean, you know, your question seems to be answered by your first statements. I've met dozens of people in shelters across the Puget Sound region, including in the in Ray of Hope in Auburn, whose hope and optimism has drained away as they realize the sad truth. Those outside are helped first. Um, That doesn't make any sense. I don't think they realize that. I think what I'm hearing is. People who said yes, who took your offer, mm-hmm. which apparently some people do, I guess, and who are optimistic and are trying to play by the system, who are trying to take the resources that are offered by you and other, you know, uh, officials across the region, are aren't getting anything out of it. Like are mm-hmm. aren't progressing on. Be- so, and and you're saying these are the people who are really trying, who want to do it, and it's not helping them. Yeah. Now you are saying they're somehow coming to this conclusion that people outside are helped first. Well, I mean, what are we helping them with? Like, yeah. if it's not if the thing you're offering is the shelter, I I don't get it. I don't know how they would come to that conclusion either. I think you're put, putting that in their mouth. I yeah. think what they're realizing is playing, taking the offer that cities and uh, the county is offering doesn't get you anything in the end. Yeah. And the 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 people who are wise to this or have a little like better bullshit detector uh, and aren't so easily fucking scammed into giving up all their, their tents and their fucking possessions and their, their shopping carts full of belongings on the street and say, yes, I'll take, I'll take the golden ticket into the apartment. You're eventually going to give me Uh, those people are wise to look at what you're offering and say, this is bunk. This is bullshit. Cause I, I can see that it's not helping anybody. Well, that and I mean, it, it does speak to a sort of problem that even on the left, if we had our druthers to fix homelessness would be a problem, which is that for, you know, most of people's lives and certainly for the last you know, increasingly for the last 50 years, if you're poor and you have any interaction with the state, that interaction is extremely negative. Yeah. Whether it's the police arresting you, attacking you, questioning you, stopping and frisking you, etc. Right. Or it's these homeless authorities throwing all your shit in the trash every day, trying to force you into a prison cell or a dog kennel and telling you to like it, you know, all this kind of stuff, right? Your interaction with the state is universally negative, right? Yeah. Which means that the longer somebody's been homeless or been in, you know, a state of extreme poverty, 
the less likely when you come up to them on the street they are to believe you when they tell you when you tell them that you're going to help know them better. or whatever. Because they yeah, because their entire life experience has told them otherwise. And as this guy is stating, they're right to be skeptical about that. Because as he personally states, oh by the way, if you accept my help, your life will get worse. Like it's gonna get a lot worse. And it's like, yeah. Those people that are accepting your help are the people that are naive enough at this point to think that you're there to help them. What you're seeing drain away from them is their belief in humanity as they accept this quote unquote help and then realize, oh, this is actually a horrifying punishment. You know, I'm Mm -hmm. actually just being thrown into a Kafka ask, you know, horrifying scenario. It's like, yeah, you're seeing cynicism be born. I'm sure it's not pleasant to watch, you know, but you did that. That's you. You created that. That's Eichmann standing over the camps and being like, man, everybody in these camps, they really don't got that pep in their step anymore. They've lost the lust for life. I mean, Mm -hmm. what's wrong with these guys? It's like you, you came into their life. That's what's wrong with them. Well, he's about to do a mea culpa here. He says, we're rewarding people for bad behavior. We're rewarding them with services and resources. Which you just said you don't give what, them, but okay, whatever. He, just, he, he doesn't say, like, he's making this connection, like, actually, uh, the reason that nobody is uh, progressing and getting a better life when they do take our offers is because we don't really offer them in there, but that's uh, because we're offering so much to people on the street. He doesn't mention what that is. Yeah. So they're, they're taking, so there's some other resources on offer that isn't a house that people on the street are taking. I guess he's talking about fucking, like, like some meals, you know, like... Yeah. Or, or is it that the resources that we're offering them are sidewalks and green belts because we're not putting them in prison? Is that <laughs> what he's, I mean, right? That's the resources yep. just being around in society. That's the resources they're taking up. Uh, meanwhile, guess. the people who are participating, who did what they were asked and stayed at a shelter are left to founder. That should be the headline. Yeah. People who are participating, <laughs> who did what they were asked and stayed at a shelter are left to founder. Yeah. That this is your whole oh people are the whole point of this article is supposedly oh people these psych these fucking crazy people are like clogging up our streets and green belts because they're refusing shelter and how and they're insane to do it. Meanwhile, yeah. people who are participating who did what they were asked and stayed at a shelter are left to founder. Well, <laughs> fucking go figure, you fucking yeah. asshole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah again i mean the premise is everybody who accepts my help their life gets immediately worse how come people stop accepting my help and it's again like your question is answered by the statement right it's you know yeah you are the pro- again you are the problem like it, it, it is it is you <laughs> yeah we sweep the encampment pat ourselves on the back for a job well done i'm sure you do i mean that's that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm picturing Eichmann again here. Yeah. Um, and move on to the next one. It's well, I mean, that that really sums up your perspective. The people return. The neighbors complain. The cycle continues. So, like, it's yeah, you like that is a criticism of the system that you operate. And I guess you're making it here, but it's interesting that you know, at some point, you're patting yourself on the back. Right. Like, ah, we did it. Like, yes, this is a critique that needs to happen, that this is pointless, that this sweeping is pointless. But like it's revealing that you were ever patting yourself on the back for this. 
the key to progress lies in changing the approach. Here we go. This is the real. Now, now the <laughs> finally got to the meat. Yeah, let's uh, go. Now the infinity board comes out. The the magic <laughs> pen is produced, and uh, and we get down to meeting time. Licking my chops. Changing the approach here. <laughs> Our conversations should shift from the notion of a housing crisis. Interesting. I, you haven't mm-hmm. really. I don't know what you said so far that would. Uh, indicate that except you're just saying it's i guess he had no i guess he has he said no there's plenty of housing just people are too stupid to live in houses they're basically cavemen is what he's you know like and weird that all all these people uh these stupid people are too dumb to live in housing that they popped up all over the country all at the same time (laughs) all in mass numbers (laughs) that all these individuals came up with the same individual idea all at the same time weird it's de-evolution coincidence yeah, yeah, I guess they're, they're so. some some portion of the population is just devolving into cavemen. We should have listened uh, to away Devo from the notion the of chance. a housing crisis, quote unquote, to scrutinizing our structures and recognizing their shortcomings. Oh, we just need like uh, some radical self crit on the homelessness industrial complex, and that's you know that's going to solve it. Well, I think this, this guy's re- already mentioned his shortcoming, which is everybody he comes into contact with, he makes their life worse. It's like, well, yeah. that sounds like a pretty severe shortcoming, I got to say. I think that's one that's actually pretty solvable right now, Kent Hay. Yeah, like, maybe we I can think of some way to kennel. deal with the problem <laughs> of everybody hating you. Um, you could remove yourself from this from every situation. How's that? Yeah. Um, this requires a multifaceted shift. All right, let's get to it. Our shifts are about to get multifaceted here. Let's hear what shift number one is. In bold, reevaluate outreach. We're going to reevaluate some shit. This this is uh, this is great. Consolidate consolidate efforts and align missions. Cool. Copy and paste it out of a Google Doc. Hell yeah, perfect. Mm -hmm. Bring outreach work into city government. Oh, he wants some government overreach here. Okay. Of the. the private sector, the the non he's he's fighting the nonprofit industrial complex. Okay, <laughs> nice. Uh, and pay people livable wages. Oh, so all right, I got to respect this. He's doing like some labor organizing for higher wages for uh uh you know uh service providers. I, honestly, honestly, based. Um, I, I kind I of. Oh, yeah, he's kind of right. Like, I mean, one of the problems of uh you know ameliorating homelessness, right? is the fact that public-private partnerships, which is how we run things yep. when uh, all, when it's a program that's just meant to be pilfered and not to work, you always make it a, pol- a public-private partnership, uh, they don't work. They're bullshit. They're total bullshit. Like, uh, if you want the state to do something, the state should actually just do it, and they should do it with union workers. And it's like, yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm on board so far, actually. Yeah, I was going to say, that, that's, <laughs> that's actually not a bad idea. I'll yep. take and it. he he offers that less turnover means better outcomes. Again, I I buy that completely. Sure. Yeah. Um, strengthen shelters, channel resources into shelters, improve conditions. Okay, I, I'll sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like that we're saying yeah. that the shelter conditions are very bad. <laughs> bad. And maybe that's bad. why people Again, don't want to like, go into them. I mean, you know, just interesting saying. that interesting that. Uh, the dog kennels you're offering are are not even fit for dogs um, and, and people are saying no to that but you're right like he spent the entire article this is what's so fascinating about it. he's just spent the entire article blaming the victim here and then but then he's pointing you know pointing out the shortcomings and he's not totally wrong about these uh, mm-hmm. uh, improvements so improve conditions and increase staff compensation to curtail turnover that was in your last one I mean it's mm-hmm. 
it's based to come into the times and say this, but but like you did already say that make shelters spaces of growth and transition. And it's like, yeah, that that sounds great. I mean, improve mm-hmm. conditions like do. Another way to say this is turn our the services for immediate like emergency housing that we're offering into what Seattle Times readers probably think they are and what I was sort of implying they are yeah, in the yeah. first half of the article. <laughs> make that real. Make that not yeah, a yeah. fantasy that's bullshit that we lie about, but turn that into reality. That thing I was lying about earlier, make it real. Yeah. Um, well, and I like this too. It, like, I mean, the improved shelters, obviously, but I think there's this thing, you know, too, that when we look at the homeless, like they're not allowed to have things. Like, you know, yeah. this is like this base belief that they're not allowed to have things. At and least of all this? dignity. Yeah. Shelters should only exist as an absolute emergency measure right. while the public housing is being built. All right. Yeah. And once the program of building it is underway and there's enough for people to live in, uh, how about this? We get rid of the shelters and uh, people need a house. We just give them an actual fucking house as opposed yeah. to, hey, you want to go live in a dormitory with a bunch of other fucking weird adults that you have never but, met before in your life? <laughs> but that that is part of part of the reason people refuse this shit is mm-hmm. because the point of the system as it operates is it asks you to surrender your dignity at the door and submit to punishment. And Mm -hmm. like, that is why, you know, there has to be, well, you got to get off the street first, right? So you need to get into this shitty prison shelter and yeah, you have to give up your dignity, your belongings. You have to basically be treated like a criminal uh, to live here, but that is how you progress, how you get, you know, to growth and transition, as he says in a shelter, because you so you have to go through that period of like we have to tear you down before we build you up right mm-hmm. we have to like you have to prove that you deserve it that you earn it by going through this um process of this indignity because we can't just give people housing because they don't deserve it because they're fucking animals um yeah. and you know, nothing's nothing nothing's free um stop the flow well good luck that's going to be a larger uh you yeah. know economic question but here let's see what he says implement programs that intervene before eviction occurs interesting hey Mm -hmm. again like he's kind of right on offer support in exchange for participation that's an insane framing when it's like no uh, well that's implied like if someone takes the support then they're participating right like but again but he's framing it in this way, like the real problem is like getting these fucking freaks to like take the 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 fucking uh, publisher's clearinghouse check we're showing up at their door with before evict before they're getting evicted, right? Yeah. Not that eviction exists. Yeah. Well, Not I that mean, the very- economic conditions for eviction exist, and that the yeah. legal structure of conviction exists not that the structure of social relations such that some asshole owns all this housing that you like are you know are uh victim to their whims and their needs for profit you know like but again look he's not see he's trying to frame it in this way that like makes it sound like the real problem is people are not like taking the money Mm. but like he's not wrong like yeah you need to be doing like stopping the machine that's whirring away grinding people into fucking uh hamburger meat like and spitting them out on the street as homeless people 
Yeah. Well, he's at least acknowledging at the get that like, hey, maybe there's some sort of connection between landlords and homelessness, right? And it's like, just keep going with that. Keep going with that. Like, yes, there is a connection between landlords and homeless. Uh, which one of those groups doesn't have to exist, right? Like, you know, how about this? How about we reverse them? All the landlords are homeless now. We'll give the homeless their houses, right? Like, Problem solved. There you go. And now yeah, now we truly we be- don't have any humans on the street. Uh, now <laughs> this podcast will start, uh, yeah, uh, arguing for eradication of the homeless. Um, yep. Okay, uh, le- that's to lessen the inflow of new homelessness cases. I mean that that really gets to it, right? Like we're mm. the idea that this is this is again how insane the first half of this article is. It's like you're saying right here, oh yeah, they just people just keep becoming homeless. Mm. But the reason we still have a homelessness crisis, according to the first half of the article, is people just are refusing housing. It's like, well. Does that make any sense at all, you fucking idiot, if people are constantly becoming homeless? It's like, oh, well, suddenly these fucking freaks, uh, because of the economic conditions and the the nature of like renting, are forced out on the street by losing their housing. And then they become fucking idiots who don't want to live in a house. Yeah, sure, sure, totally, sure. Essential services, integrate essential services within shelters. Empower individuals to access healthcare, employment resources, and social services without stepping outside. And it's like, yeah, I mean, more services and better access. You're talking to, yeah, you know, you're talking about, but at the end of the day, that's what I, I think is, you know, funny about this whole like list he's talking about. He's talking about these as like admin, essentially like administrative changes. Like we need to like rethink how we're doing this, right? But all his prescriptions are correct. It's just he's blaming the victim and saying that these problems can be solved by like an administrative review, mm. a new organization of this this structure. But you're actually talking about large economics and social structures on the generation of homelessness side. And on the, um, uh, you know, dealing with the problem of it, you're talking about a need for massive federal funding mm-hmm. to well, implement all this stuff he's talking about. Of course. But He's I, not calling I, for that. The shape of the article is interesting because he begins by just affirming, reaffirming everybody or every shithead is reading the Times editorials, at least beliefs about homelessness, which is, hey, guys, I know that approximately 98 percent of every city budget is spent on giving handouts to the poor. But get this, those greedy, fucking, you know, uh, bastards refuse to accept them because they're really animals and all this kind of stuff. Right. That's like the whole like first half of it, which is what people truly do believe about like yeah. homeless oh, yeah. and about like services. Then he goes on at the end to, you know, if they actually ever got to this point or were capable of reading this and actually understanding this to point out, oh, hey, by the way, all the services that you think poor people get all those resources and stuff you think are available for you. Oh, wait, none of that should actually exist, right? We'd actually <laughs> have to build it, right? Yeah. yeah. Most people look at essential services and be like, wait, the shelters don't have that already, like access to, you know, employment resources and social services, like within the shelter system. It's like, yeah, no, they don't. They fucking suck. They're shit. Like they're absolute garbage. That's why people don't want to go into them. You know, it's pointless. It's a pointless go- waste of waste of your time. It's a that humiliating you too. Pointless- it's beyond pointless. Yeah. It's costly. Like, yeah. you know, it is directly against your interest to do it. You know. It's time we recognize our own role in shaping the outcome of homelessness 
and redouble our efforts to provide opportunities for change. And like, and he's saying our own role. He's talking about like the the network of programs and municipalities that are fighting, trying to fight theoretically fight homelessness. Yeah, not like I don't think he's talking about the society at large. We no, need no. to acknowledge our shared responsibility in perpetuating homelessness. We need to diagnose the true issue. You failed to do that here. Yeah, I was say, it feels uh, a little even schizophrenic on the uh, responsibility part of it. I yeah, guess. seriously. <laughs> we need policy made in the name of compassion to meet the reality of accountability. If not, how much longer can we pre- pretend we're talking about supportive housing? So the accountability, meaning for the homeless people who refuse. So again, in the end, we're back to put them in jail. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Even at, he's and, gone on to say, like, oh man, we're not really offering them services. These the shelters have poor conditions. Uh, we're not really doing all this stuff that would actually solve this problem. Like, you know, the thing I'm complaining people aren't taking, the offer I'm, mm-hmm. you know, completely schizophrenic. And then he's like, and you know, if they keep continue to refuse the shit sandwich, you know, we have to make them eat it in a prison cell. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Greg, uh, that uh, editorial sucked. That's I hated it. I hated it. Um, well, man, what a bummer. Uh, hey guys, if you want more bummer content like that, why not become a patron? Yeah, <laughs> five dollars a month. All right, cost of a coffee. Also, I think we'd like to give a, you know, uh, special, you know. Get well and well wishes to Matt Chrisman of Chapman Trap House, who obviously has suffered a medical emergency for those of you that are fans of the show and have listened. Matt has been on Ending the Myth with me and Munya. I got to say, he was a very nice guy. I literally just DM'd him and was like, hey, do you want to talk about Andrew Johnson? And he responded, when and where? All right. Like, that's a cool guy. That's a very nice guy. He didn't have to do that. And it was just so Mm -hmm. cool of him. And it was just like a great episode, you know? Oh, it's so great. Yeah. He was nice to us. He didn't have to be nice to us. We're just nobodies. He doesn't know who we are, you know? Like, look, he's never been. I mean, I guess I have met him a couple of times and he has been nice. But more to the point, he's a a very meaningful voice in my life for these last however many years. And, you know, that's it seems kind of trite and and silly to say, but like, you know, I do want to add my voice to all the the well wishes and the remembrances of like how meaningful he's been, and I and really hope that he gets better. I I I also just can't help like telling you guys like that when I first like heard that announcement from the show, you know that he's having some problems. I couldn't, I, I was, I was shocked. I was like kind of speechless, like listen to this. And, but then I could not help start laughing out loud, thinking of him finally smelling the toast. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Like I, I, Colin the other night was saying, he's like, yeah, I know he ha he has to get better and come back and tell us finally, what Did was he- the image? What was the, the phrase or image from like right wing Twitter that was going through his mind when he winked out, you know? Yeah. Like we, we have to know. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. And I, well, Matt, you're, you're loved and appreciated and um, mm-hmm. we want yeah. you back. And I guess, you know, on a, on a more general note too, Hey, uh, 
life is, you know, it's arbitrary, it's random. Uh, things, you know, they, they just happen, right? And, uh, you know, think about that when dealing with your friends and loved ones and give everybody a little bit of grace and all that kind of stuff in your life. And I don't know, be nice to the people you like, all right? You'll 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 never have regrets in life for being too nice to people, all right? You're only going to have regrets for being an asshole, all right? So, uh, yeah, get well soon, Matt. Hopefully uh, we'll hear, hopefully we'll hear good news shortly. All right, well, on that note, we'll call it a night. Okay. Good night. Good night, everybody.